it's so great to get what you want, right? When there's been something that you're longing for, hoping for, and that actually happens, or you actually get it, maybe that's a birthday present, maybe you're dropping hints about it, um, maybe just someone just knew you so well, they got like the very thing that you were looking for or hoping for, uh, it feels good, maybe feels good when that's the grade that you've been working for. Uh, all the time that you put in that paper or rewriting the paper again, all the time you spent studying and going over stuff and going over stuff again, if you get that paper back and you get, the, you get that test back and there's that big A on it, it's like, that's what I, that's what I was going for. It feels, feels good, right, to get what you want. Maybe it's the person that you've been uh, interested in, kind of hoping that they showed a little bit of interest back in you, and then when you start to see, maybe there is, maybe there is real, and they, they express to you that they're actually interested in you, you want to go on a date or whatever, like it just, it feels so good, those things that you've been desiring, and then if it starts to come uh, and happen, it can feel so good uh, to satisfy your desire. Um, it's so great to get what you want, except when it's not. And, and sometimes it's not. Some of our desires really aren't, good. Some of them really aren't good for us. Uh, some of them aren't good for others around us as well. They have, there's consequences to their fulfillment uh, that ultimately are hurt and are painful. Just, just that desire sometimes, especially for like the early morning desire, like just not wanting to go to class. Or it's midterm times, like I wish I didn't have any tests, I wish I didn't have to go to class anymore. And you have this desire and, like, if that desire is fulfilled, all of a sudden, like, oh, you're not an FSU student anymore. Uh, you don't have an ID anymore. And now you have a bunch of uh, loans that already are going to start accruing now, and you're kicked out of your dorm, and all this, just that desire fulfilled doesn't go all the places that you want it to go. Um, <clears throat> maybe other times that's, you'd want the expensive clothes that you've seen, you like, that you look for. Uh, maybe it's just wanting to go out to eat more often than you can easily afford or should afford or buying a new smartphone or whatever different things. But you have that desire for those things. Um, but if it's fulfilled, all of a sudden, hey, well, I mean, maybe you look really nice. Maybe you have a great uh, smartphone and you're well fed, but now you weren't able to pay your rent. You've got nowhere to live. You're just like wearing your nice clothes. You can't, you don't have internet connectivity anymore for your phone because you used all your money up, right? Like we have these desires, but if all the things that go into it, sometimes those desires don't lead at all where we're hoping that they would. Uh, sometimes they lead back painful places for us, painful places for others. Right? You get the idea. Not everything that we desire is good. So the question is, how do we deal with those desires? How do we deal with the different desires uh, that well up in our hearts that say, go this way, do this, this is what you want? What do you decide to say yes to and no to? Uh, where do you go with it? Part of the beauty of the gospel is that we're not just stuck with whatever desires fall into our head. We're not just stuck with the immediate inclination that says, here, this is what you want, go for it. Uh, we're not stuck with just whatever we find ourselves uh, wanting. The theme of this chapter or this, uh, this section, as you see in verse uh, 16, I say, he's telling this encouragement, walk by the Spirit. There's something different that the gospel brings. It's living in this freedom of life as life of Christ being in you by his Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and what? You won't ratify the desires of the flesh. Some of these desires that you have that aren't going to lead in good places, you're not just stuck 
feeling those desires, following those desires. Uh, There's a freedom in walking by the Spirit for a different uh, experience. Not just stuck for what we want from the moment. We're, We're freed from our own unhealthy, sometimes self-destructive uh, tendencies. And the quotes I've seen from a long time ago, uh, just describing this in the gospel, that so often we look at what we're supposed to do and we're just trying to get free from our sin, trying to get free from the desires, but in the gospel, we're no longer struggling to be free, but we are freed in order to struggle. A free to live out, walking with the Spirit, living out what's been done uh, in a believer by Jesus, by the presence of his spirit. So how do you deal with your desires? Some desires you wake up with in the morning, some you go to bed with in the evening, some are, some are here one day, gone another. Some you've gone a long way with and you wonder, is that a pattern that you're just stuck in? Others maybe you've just been considering for a while. Some are, some are shaping who you are and what you do. You surprise yourself in some way. How do you deal with your desires? do, Do you control your desires? Or do those desires control you? Or simply just as we go through this, just ask it this way. What do you really want? As you look at your heart, as you look at your life, your desires and what comes out of it, uh, what do you really want? Look at three sides of it. First is uh, contrary desires. One of the difficulties that we have, one of the problems we run into is that our our desires don't always agree with one another, right? Like I contradict myself uh, a lot, not just in the things that I say, which happens sometimes, uh, but even in the things that I do. And and the problem isn't just like accidentally did something different than what I meant to do, but there's desires in my heart that some go this way and some go that way. Um, Where do we work out? There's these contrary desires. Here in Galatians, not just kind of contrary, uh, kind of contradictory. It's, it's mutually ex- exclusive, opposing desires. How are you supposed to deal with that? What do you, what do, you do? There's these mutually exclusive, separate uh, desires. But here's verse 17, right? It makes it pretty clear. This is describing what uh, the, the life of the believer. It says, uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I don't, we need to talk about what, what that means as a saying this. Where's the, where are these desires are coming from within ourselves? It talks about flesh and spirit. I'm trying to go, what, what, what is being meant by, meant by this uh, in Scripture? But, but first, just to get like the basic idea of contrary desires a little bit. Because I think we're familiar with it on, a, on just a normal, everyday level. Um, of, of a ton of different, uh, ton of different things. Right, so I would love to, I would love to lose a little bit of weight, um, and but I also would love to have like a nice big juicy burger. And if the fries are there, I'm just going to keep eating the fries because I don't stop when the fries are still there. So I had uh, five guys the other day. They always give you like, a huge bag of fries. I cannot not eat all of those fries if I'm there unless someone else eats them along with me. And when it's the evening, I would love to have a bowl of ice cream. Because it just feels good to relax, watch a little Netflix, have a little, little bowl of ice cream. But the, both of those desires, they don't really go very well together uh, a lot of the time. A fight between, between some of those desires uh, uh, here and there, right? Um, uh, other times we, we would love to, we'd love to just feel really productive. 
Right? You love to feel like you got a lot done, like you're on top of things, your homework isn't hanging over you, you've already gone over your notes, you've studied for the test, you've touched base with the things you were supposed to. And man, it'd be so great just to relax for a little while, not worry about anything, not stress out, binge on the next season of your favorite show on Netflix, or even not your favorite show, just whatever's out there, right? <laughs> and like those, those two desires, like they're, which, which way do we go with this, right? It's hard to get both of them there. And it's just every everyday way. Um, uh, sometimes we, we tend to just support some desires over others, um, uh, that, that, you know, when it comes to diet or exercise or whatever, we at least feel, that we feel being caught in that tension, but we also feel like it's good to deny some of those things that get in the way of the other things that we want more. Right? Like maybe it's good to not have all of those fries. Maybe it's good to, like, at least, like, a small bowl of ice cream. If you see the size bowls of ice cream, I eat there. Nice and, nice and healthy. Very healthy. I Milk, milk is good for you. Ice cream is good for you. I'm convinced of these things. That's what I tell myself. Yeah, that's where these desires go. See, there's this fight, this rationalization within your brain that goes on uh, in all of it. But we can say, like, oh, some of these desires we, we matter more than they should push other desires down. And there's other things that we get to and we're like, what your desires are, you, you need to express. Like, who you are is in those desires, and if you're holding back something that you desire that's true of you, then you're not finding your true self, you're not finding self-actualization, whatever, and we do it all kind of things, whether it's just uh, who you spend time with, who you want to not spend time with, um, whether, whether it's the, uh, what, your, what your sexual orientation is, or what your gender uh, identity is, and how you, how you claim those things, how you relate to other people. So many things we say, here, these are my desires, and so... If I'm going to be true to myself, I, I shouldn't be pressing any of these desires down. I've got to, uh, I've got to go forward with them, find my, my true self. All right, deeper here uh, in this passage, it's saying, what is that self from which the desires are, are proceeding? Where do these desires come from, and what does that say about us? Where is our identity found? Because our desires are, are really are revealing something about who we are. Sometimes we'd like to point to actions and be like, no, that's, that's not really me. Right? Like, I know that's happened, but like, well, do, how, how did that happen? Did someone brainwash you? Was there something going on? No, it's part of your desires from where you were that led to the behavior that you found yourself in. It reveals something about us from, from within. What, is it, what does it reveal? For the Christian, this, is, this passage is describing the experience of the believer, okay? If you're coming, uh, still figuring Christianity, that's, that's great, and this is a lot of good stuff to process, both for yourself uh, and for as you evaluate the lives of maybe Christians that you've known and what, what it looks like. But here's describing that for the believer, there's this uh, battle between these desires that's heightened, uh, but even as it's heightened and there's this opposition within one another, uh, it's not without hope, right? Because you just said, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. But both desires are present and both mean something as they battle against one another. So flesh and spirit. We don't really talk that way a lot unless you've just been in Scripture a lot and you hear it talked about uh, there. But this was just common language and from the Old Testament. But when it talks about the flesh, it's just talking about who, who we are in ourself, but it's ourself as, uh, as outside of relationship with God. It's who we are uh, without God. Which, since God really is and is present, it's, it's who we are in rebellion against God. 
desires that come from us as we want to run away from God. And really, if we're honest there, it's, it's the desires of ourself as we want to be God. As we want everything to serve us and go uh, for our uh, self-image and our uh, goals. That's the idea of, of the flesh uh, here. And it has desires uh, opposed then against God, uh, trying to be God. Uh, that lead us in one way. And those desires are entirely contrary, it makes sense then, to the spirit, spirit of God, uh, the spirit uh, from Christ himself as he's raised, uh, he sends his spirit uh, to his people, uh, making new, changing his hearts. This is conversion comes uh, from Christ giving his spirit, his life uh, to his people. Penance and faith and new life and uh, the holiness that works out of it all come from uh, the Holy Spirit regenerating and living uh, and empowering us. So if the flesh is life without God and opposed to God trying to be God, you see how it's mutually exclusive from Christ's spirit within us uh, that is leading us in relationship with him and in life with him uh, and what that looks like. So you're getting this opposition. You're getting, here's these contrary desires that are there and that you're dealing with. And the point that the passage is making is you can't just do whatever you desire then. Or it's not a good idea to just whatever whim comes in and desire wake up in the morning with or go to bed with to just follow that out where it'll lead you because that's part of what your true self is. It's saying for the believer that, there's, that, there's a, that you have to understand who your true self is in relation to this flesh and, and spirit. This, uh, this self of the flesh is not who you are anymore. You've been remade in Christ into a new person where Jesus is dwelling within you. Uh, and he is leading you. Uh, let your desires be shaped by that uh, that's true of you, as, even as it's still fighting against uh, the presence of the, the old nature. Uh, so it says to, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Or in other ways translated, uh, so, so whatever the things that you want... You shouldn't just do those things. You shouldn't just continue to practice those things because you've got different desires coming from different places. The, and there's the flesh and the spirit, but it's not just an equal battle. Right? It's, it's very clear that while both are present, uh, the spirit has already conquered the flesh uh, and the believer. Um, what do your desires say about you? As you look and see, some desires lead one way and some lead another. Where do they lead? What do you, what do you really want? And why? Walk uh, by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we need to talk a little bit more about those things. Uh, what each of those desires look like. How does that, how does that work itself out? So uh, first, these, uh, the works of the flesh, these, these desires that come from that self as opposed to God. Um, have it here as, as de uh, dead desires, uh, works of the flesh. I think we tend to hear the passage this way. Uh, and maybe if you've been in the church, especially more familiar with you are, I think we tend to hear it this way. Um, here's the works of the flesh. Here's some of the things that are part of that. These things are bad, so we shouldn't desire them. Here's the fruit of the Spirit, what comes out of life, uh, belonging to Christ. And these things are good, so we should desire them. And that's maybe good as, as far as it goes, but it, it doesn't get very far. Uh, that's really a perspective of legalism that comes into it and saying, okay, I understand some things are right and some things are wrong, and I want to do the good things, I want to not do the bad things. 
The law teaches you what's right. It teaches you what's clear. It just doesn't give you any ability to do it. Uh, this is Paul's whole argument through Galatians. He's saying, yeah, you know the law, you know the rules, and what does it do? It doesn't, it doesn't lead you anywhere. It leaves you empty. It leaves you not being enough. It exposes how much you need Jesus to push you to him and stop adding other things to it that you would look for and be like, I know the things that are right and I know the things that are wrong, and so now I've got my life together. Um, and maybe this isn't you, but plenty of Christians walk around campus looking at other folks on campus that way. I know the things that are right, and I see you doing the things that are wrong, and so I'm better than you. And, and plenty of non-Christians feel that from their Christian friends, and they look and they go, I see other things that are wrong with you, and maybe you just don't see that, but I, I, I think, there's, think there's a problem here. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, plenty of Christians will walk around the other side of it and we'll get to you. But, but here's, here's a sense of uh, the, the, raw, the law just exposes the wrong desires, but it's powerless to change. There's, there's no freedom experientially. Instead, the way Paul's talking about here, what I want you to get is not, here's the works of the flesh and they're bad, so I don't want that. Here's the works of the flesh and they're bad. And we do want that. Here's the fruit of the Spirit, and it's good, and it's better, and we want that, and we want that more, and we can have that. It comes through Christ, and that's uh, where he's, he's leading us, but we need to acknowledge that we, we want these things. Here's the, here's the works of the flesh, right? They're evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, all these relational conflict things, enmity, jealousy, strife, fits of anger, uh, factions and rivalries, dissensions and divisions, uh, envy, drunkenness and orgies and things like these, right? Um, so, so looking at some of those things without pretending like we don't like them. Drunkenness and orgies, things like these, like at FSU, we call that the weekend. Uh, we, we, look, we look forward to that a lot, of, a lot of times. And let's not pretend that this is just like the campus out there and not that a lot of Christians don't get caught up in this just as much. Right? You have the big drunken revelry party, the wild crazy party. There's a lot of people who would say they're Christians and act like Christians maybe sometimes, and they're, they're there. Because those desires are there. They want that, and they're coming into it. We, we long for these things. Some of us talk about the RUF drinking parties that are way, way too common of, of where we're at and the things we're struggling with. You've got to recognize, yes, you do want that. Yes, you long for it. Why? And what's going on? And where does that, where does that come from? Um, and and is, is that all there is? Like where those things, where does that lead as you follow those desire out? Uh, where, where does it leave you? Come back to the beginning of the list, right? Sexual morality, uh, impurity, um, sensuality. <laughs> Absolutely we desire these things uh, and look for these things. And maybe we would love to say ourselves that we don't, um, but can you know, like be honest with yourself for, for a little bit? Um, and this isn't just like what all happens on campus on the weekend if people don't know. Like, I don't know all the things that happen with you. I'll be very surprised, even in a room this size, of people that know each other, if some of you haven't hooked up with one another. Right, But certainly outside of that, and as you're coming to some of these other events and drinking parties and whatever, like this is part of where we lead. Why? Because we want that. It seems like it's going to feel good. Because it does feel good and also leads into other things that don't feel so good and leave us uh, disappointed. Um, 
the the extent to which like porn is so much of what the internet's used for and a lot of things that aren't porn still prey on all those same desires for the sensuality of it for the appeal for the draw of what's what's there what's going to uh, what's going to turn you on? What's going to get you uh, going and more excited about stuff? Um, we, I mean, we'd love to say we don't desire those things, but um, modesty, lusting, whichever different sides of it that you want to go. And I love it some years when we do the series on relationship or, or sex and Jesus that we've called it at times in the past. We may do that a few years in the future. My favorite thing about doing that series when we talk about it is not just that, well, people are kind of excited because we're talking about sex and what's that and how's it in the Bible. It's that it completely levels the playing field. Uh, that all the self-righteous Christians that thought, okay, here, I'm pretty good and I'm better than a lot of things going on. As we talk about what sexual sin is and where it comes from, they're all like, yeah, we're caught in this too. And a lot of times the non-Christians are more honest with themselves about how they're caught with it. Uh, a lot of the Christians are more hot into themselves and pretend they're not caught in it. He's just being clear for us. He's saying, here's the desires that our flesh longs for. If we pretend like we don't long these things, we don't know ourselves. This is what we came from, but this is what God and his grace in Christ brings us out from, frees us from so that we're not uh, stuck in it. Um, and, we're just going to kind of skip over this, the, uh, the idolatry and sorcery one. Not because it doesn't actually apply to a lot of the things the way that you do them. Maybe we'll have some opportunity to talk more about idolatry and, and other things. But I, I love all these things in the middle, this relational conflict stuff. And because you've seen this all the way through Galatians, Paul's concern is what's going on among the community of the people of God. When some people are saying, this is the way you're supposed to do it, uh, follow these rules instead. If you want to be good, you have to have your life together according to these rules. And they're separating, they're dividing one another, and there's tension, and there's envy, and there's jealousy, and who fits, and who belongs, and who doesn't, and it's painful. Like, but we don't desire drama. No one wants that much drama? Come on, really, that's not where our desires go. Um, we just want all the things that lead to drama. Uh, we, we want... We want to be the funny one, not, not that person. We want to make sure that this person is, is our friend. We are not going to allow the, someone that said something about us to just continue in this conversation without being scorned. Uh, we, 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 because we value ourselves, because we value our status, our particular relationships, and what, what the, we think those relationships give to us for, uh, for status, for other things, we're all over the drama. And this is why, like, shows are, have, are full with it, partly because they're just real, and that's what's there, but even the things that aren't, like, like just take, like, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, right? Um, I mean, here, it's just setting up all these things, right? It's like, here, gratify the desires of the flesh, uh, and watch the drama unfold. Uh, and you watch, and you're like, oh, would I do that? What, where, I, would, I, wouldn't get, I wouldn't get myself into that situation. And then you look around, and you're like, I mean... But I'm not on TV when all this stuff's going on. It's not, it's not as big. Uh, but man, if you look and you just see, sometimes it's just roommates with one another. Um, sometimes it's people in RUF together, people in church together, people from back home together. It's family. And you just watch sibling rivalry, right? Or rivalry as your parents and who wants your attention, where they want you to go, who you're going to see over spring break. Um, and, and we watch these different divisions come out. Not that we think we want those things, but we want our pride of place that leads uh, to all those things. You know, it's painful. Someone described those things as, as dead desires. 
Uh, first of all, as dead desires, because they're, they come from being apart from relationship with God. Jesus in John 17, uh, this, is, this is life and this is eternal life that they know the only true God and then the one who you sin. Relationship with God is where life is found. Sin that alienates us from him brings, brings death and leads to fullness of death. Um, so these things are dead desires. They come out of lack of relationship with God that moves further away from relationship with God. Is that what you want? Don't pretend those desires aren't there. Is that where you're going? Is that what you see coming out of you, uh, that you follow through uh, those, those desires? Because here's the, here's the things that he says here. Um, as he looks at the, uh, he says, I warn you. I already told him this, as I warned you before, uh, verse uh, 21, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are those desires going to be present? Yes. Are those desires going to be present in every believer? Yes, and a whole lot of other ones that aren't described. If this is what characterizes your life and what your life continues to embody, then what it's saying is you're not a Christian. You don't have a place in the kingdom of God. That's not where you're going. Is it saying that, what, that you get into God's kingdom, that you inherit it by something that you do? Like, like everything about Galatians is like, no, 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 no. Not anything we does. It's all what Christ has done for us. But if, if the life of Christ is not coming out of you, then it's because the life of Christ is not in you. And sometimes you need to just look and see and like, I don't know, for, sometimes it's like you've grown in the church and you thought you were supposed to be a Christian and so you felt you're a Christian. I went through a time of like really going... How do I know if I'm a Christian? I know Christians are supposed to do this, and I know a lot of, I do a lot of things that aren't this. How do I know where I stand? There's this fear of like, but what if I'm not a Christian? Uh, but here it's saying to you, if this is what you see coming out of your life, this is what characterizes you and what you continue in, it's not an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Right. Now, like, maybe that presses in a little bit. Uh, don't be afraid in that. Because here, this truth of the gospel, it's not about what you do. So if you see that and you see your desires are leading that way, then what Jesus says is ask and he gives his spirit to you. To anyone who asks and asks for Jesus' spirit, he gives freely his spirit that changes who you are, that unites you to Christ, that convicts you of sin, and makes you see things you don't want to see, but gives you desires that love him, that don't make... Obedience feel like a thing that you have to do or supposed to do, but the overflow of your heart, because God is amazing and he's good to you and he's glorious and you get to live with him and relating to him. He just gives that to you freely. I ask for it and receive. Um, <clears throat> not this, this perspective of the law that here we would get it right, that we're here we've got to make sure then that these desires aren't something that, are, that we find in us because they're there. But what do you walk in? What do you, what do you let flow uh, out of you? What do you look to? Uh, do you look to yourself and your behavior in it? Do you look to these things as that these desires are what's going to give you life and fulfillment? Or do you see these other desires that are bigger and more beautiful uh, that you long for and that the Spirit uh, leads you in? Uh, um, 
dead desires because they come from outside of relationship with God. But this skips down a little bit into the next section, but I want to talk about it here. Uh, verse, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires. They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's using the word crucify intentionally. Drawing out the believer's connection to Christ, the significance of Christ's death for who you are, for what's true about you as you're connected to Jesus. As he was crucified in your place and that your sin was put on him and punished in him so that there's no more wrath of God remaining for you, but also true that in Christ as he was crucified, that longing for sin that's within you is nailed to the cross, is executed, being put to death. And in relationship with Christ, it will surely uh, be fully finished and put to death. Uh, even though that's a lifelong process that we go through along with it. But what's true of the believer, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As a part of this, is just describing repentance. Describing this turn from yourself and turning from the desires that you think are just going to gratify you, that will make your life good for the moment, which are all we have to hope for, and you just kind of keep running into those things. It's a turning from that and turning from the sin of the rebellion against God in that and, and turning to life in Christ instead. But in turning away from that, it's a, it's a realizing that it's evil, realizing that it's offense to God and wanting it to be done away with. <laughs> Listen, like it doesn't take a lot of time being whether it's being stuck in porn or having gone through a bad relationship that left you hurt, and, or, or whether it's the wild party that just ends up keep dragging you down, uh, the effects of it, or whether it's all the infighting and bitterness to go, can't that just stop? Can't it just end? Uh, I know I keep being drawn back to something I think I'm going to get from it, but it's also painful. I want it done away with. In the gospel, Christ uh, is saying that's being done away with because it's been crucified uh, with him. Uh, John Stott, uh, one of the commentators, as he uh, talked about this passage, um, and maybe this was from someone else, he described three different sides of that uh, crucifying desires with Christ. Uh, Pitiless, uh, painful, uh, and decisive. This without pity, that we don't look and go, oh, I don't really want, I don't want that desire to go. Um, I mean... I still, I still love a lot of what I get from that desire. No, the crucifying me, like, no, it's, it's done. It's publicly shamed and saying, here's what's wrong with it. And she wanted it ended. But, but also it's painful. It's, it's really painful. Uh, I mean, you just, the more you see how much your life is built around some of these things, and maybe it's these things that are obvious, and maybe it's the things that underlie that of just a pride. And, but like, oh, when your life doesn't get to have that what you think is going to come from it, it's hard to give up. Uh, I've watched students come in more from uh, outside the faith, but, but looking at Christianity and going, if I've got to give up these parties and the relationships that revolve around these parties, I don't know how to make it. Uh, I, I don't know where I go. That you see that it has to be crucified, that it, it is going to be painful as an experience but that it's a good thing for bad things in you to be being put to death. 
being gotten rid of. It's hard not to have the extra bowl of ice cream, right? It's hard not to just binge on Netflix, but when you can just like watch one show in a you know, time that's good, where it's good to relax and you get on top of your other way, like it's good to like get rid of some of those desires that are killing you. They're self-destructive. They're hurtful of relationships uh, around you. Um, but there's also pitiless, painful, and indecisive. Once it's, nailed to the, once it's nailed to the cross, that kind of picture of crucifixion, not supposed to come back down. He gives this quote, though. He says, um, if besetting sins, things that we come back to again and again, and some of these things we do, we find ourselves going, if besetting sins persistently plague us, it's either because we've never truly repented. Like, no, that's really still what we love. Not Jesus, we love this. And we've got to go and say, is this me? Is this me? Or... He says, because having repented, even a real sincere repentance and out of conversion, or because having repented, we've not maintained our repentance. He says this, it's as if having nailed our old nature to the cross, we keep wistfully returning to the scene of its execution. We begin to fondle it, to caress it, to long for its release, even to try to take it down from the, again from the cross. We need to leave it there. When some jealous or proud or malicious or impure thought invades our mind, we must kick it out at once. Because in Christ, what's true of you is that that's crucified. And so we get to hope in that and say, no, I'm not stuck with you. I'm free to something else. I'm free to something more. I'm not left with dead desires that are killing me. Those desires are being put to death. And I'm drawn into life. Living desires. Desires that are of the life of Christ that look like love. That love gets to pour out of me and joy that I'm actually happy. That it doesn't just go from one desire that's sort of fulfilled and then not really good enough from disappointment to disappointment, but something that comes to, for, to joy. Not because am I good enough that I get it well enough in the law, but a longing to love Jesus, to walk with him, and to see as we see our failure and our sin, realize that it's covered. And realize that he leads us more and closer to him. That what he promises is good for us. And what he commands uh, is to lead us uh, well. Uh, these live desires are, are good. Uh, to live in peace rather than constant conflict and turmoil. And we usually talk about these things just on the individual side. Right? The fruits of the spirit on the individual side, uh, the, the works of the flesh on the individual side, bring out some of that communal things. But I really want you to picture this communally, which is a lot of what he's talking about here. It, it, it's how this happens among y'all. The difference between the drama of walking in to a relationship of people that are, whose side are you on? Do you know what, do you know what he's doing? Do you, know, do you know what, that they broke up last week and so we can't be friends with her right now and here's this, whatever, just all the ways that this stuff comes out, uh, all the, the drama and division and jealousy and envy, to walk into that room and you're like, how do I navigate these relationships? Where do I fall in this? And the difference of the beauty of walking into a context of relationship is love. They're like, these people care about one another, and they give up in themselves for one another, and they're not bitter about having to do so. They want to. And there's a real joy and not just disappointment that comes out of them, and there's a peace in how they treat one another. And I know that some of these people have been through hard stuff. But now that there's still this peace, this harmony, 
um, coming out of what, what God has done, uh, a real kindness and goodness and faithfulness. People not just taking whatever's good about them and pushing it on other people, but there's a gentleness. That where someone's strengths are, they use that for the benefit of someone else, other than shame someone else or push themselves uh, up. Like that kind of community uh, is so, so good to walk into. Like, will these, will these people like me? Can I fit here? Uh, will they accept me? Will they draw me into that? So it's so great when you can come back to your roommates and that's the way you get along. Uh, this is the way church is supposed to be. This is the way we want RUF to be of how we care. For, this is what believers should look like with one another. This is what believers get to look like with one another because this is what Christ is working in you. Here are these people that would be natural enemies and all these different things, and here God's brought them together and made them one in Jesus, and so we get to live that out. That's good, and it's beautiful, and we long for it. It's not like we're just supposed to do it, and we have to get it right. It's a recognition. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, this is what life in Christ, this is where uh, it leads you. This is what it uh, brings out. Uh, the self-control. That we're not just controlled by our desires, but the Spirit of Christ is shaping our desires, giving bigger and bolder desires that we pursue those and are drawn into it from him. It's how we can have control against ourselves. Um, because uh, it's coming uh, from the Spirit. Against such thing, there is no law. It's not that we've figured out the rules and we've got them right now. It's that the longing of your heart is to be for good things. Listen, if that's not what you're ex- experiencing, then, then pray for God's Spirit and ask. But here's the way he's talking about it in the passage. Um, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. If this life has come from connection to Christ, then let's value that and live out what's true about a believer in this relationship with Christ by walking the Spirit. And the phrase here is a little bit different than the walk uh, back in verse 16. It's a a keep in step with. Uh, Walk in in the line of formation with the Spirit. The things that are true uh, from who Jesus is, the the Spirit is leading us in, is how we want to, what we want to follow in. So you don't come to... Uh, reading, reading the Bible because here's these, here's the things that you're supposed to do, uh, but because Spirit's present with the life of God and His Word, it reminds me of my sins covered, and it gives me hope that I'm not stuck in where I've been stuck, and it leads me to something else that's good, and leads me to love one another. I get to share this with my brothers and sisters, and they bring it back to me, and it's, it's good, and we long for it because the Spirit uh, brings that out. It's walking in step with the Spirit. Let's just not just be prideful, worried about ourselves, envying one another, bringing those conflict back into it. Because the Spirit's uniting us in one in Christ. What do you really want? What do you want? All those desires are present in you. Uh, if you want living desires of life, the resurrection life of Christ, ask of the Spirit, and there it is. He gives it freely, converts you, brings you to himself. Try him out on it. Uh, If you realize the conflict within you, value the Spirit and who Christ is and walk with the Spirit. Spending time in the Word with one another, seeing this fruit being produced in you and taking joy in that. 
confused and not sure what's coming out of you and where it's coming from, good, notice that. Bring it to God and say, show me, what, show me who I am. Show me what I want. Show me how to live. But here's this promise. It's a promise of freedom. It's a promise of not just being stuck with the desires that you find yourself gravitating toward. If you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking by the Spirit leads us in a different way that doesn't disappoint, doesn't drag us down into self-destruction. It's a freedom of out of desire living for God and loving it by experiencing His love for us and His Son. And that's what you really want. And that's what Christ really gives you. And we need to help one another because it's hard to walk by the Spirit when we got so many other desires that we don't want to put to death. I need you to help me and, and I want to help you and I want you to help one another. If these are the things you long for, if this is what's really true in the gospel, this is who Christ is, this is what you get to live out. Those that you know, uh, with other believers as you meet them, this is the purpose that God draws us into. This is what you really want. It's what God promises. It's what he delivers.